where was God at in the midst of all of this? Can I really trust God in the midst of the pain that I'm experiencing and really wrestling with those hard questions? Welcome to Life, Love, and Family. How's your life going? Do you feel a little overwhelmed? Could you use some encouragement? We've got great news. Stay close. I believe in the sun. I believe in the risen one. I believe I overcome by the power of his blood. Amen. Welcome into Life, Love, and Family. Hi, I'm Dr. Tim Clinton, president of the American Association of Christian Counselors and your host. Most people live stuck. Some are confused, others overwhelmed, hoping for a better day, a better life. I've been there. I'm sure you have too. Today, we're going to talk about the most important part of you and me, and that's soul care. How do you manage you? How do you break free? How do you find that joy and that peace and that hope that you're looking for? Today's guest, Sarah Newhard. She's a spirituality and Christian program coordinator at Timberline Knowles. It's a residential treatment facility for women near Chicago. She earned her undergraduate degree in family psychology from Oklahoma Baptist University, and she has a master's degree in clinical psychology from Wheaton College. It's an honor to have you join us, Sarah. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you for having me, Tim. Tell us a little bit about you and what you're doing at Timberline Knowles, an amazing residential treatment facility for women. It is. Timberline Knowles is a residential treatment facility just outside of Chicago. We have beautiful grounds, 43-acre campus, um, and we really specialize working with women struggling with a variety of co-occurring disorders. So that could be eating disorders, substance use, mood disorders, self-harm, trauma. We really have a strong multidisciplinary team that um, walks alongside these women. And one of the, the really fun parts of, of my job is that we offer Christian programming to residents that request that. So uh, connect them up with family therapists, individual therapists that are part of our Christian team, um, have specific um, Christian groups for them to participate in. What are the big issues that you're seeing right now in today's modern world? I think maybe the pace, the pain, the pressure of modern day life has taken over for everybody, but what are you guys seeing there? We do encounter a variety of different struggles, but I think at the heart of it, it's really this um, struggle to be able to navigate the very difficult things that each one of us encounter in life and can really prompt us to engage in those struggles in some really unhealthy ways. And unfortunately, that can come out in manifest as eating disorders or that substance self-harm where it's just trying to take that pain away and help ourselves to, to feel a little bit better in the, the midst of the struggle of life. So kind of getting lost in everyday life, getting overwhelmed and just maybe even confused or angry about life. Absolutely, yes. I think especially for residents that have grown up in church or um, had a relationship with Jesus, it's 
really this confusing struggle and the pain of where was God at in the midst of all of this? Can I really trust God in the midst of the pain that I'm experiencing and really wrestling with those hard questions and then walking with them through that process of asking those hard questions? You know, a big word that I see come up a lot, especially recently, is the word hurt. We all get hurt in life, but some relationship wounds just don't make any sense. Then maybe starting to feel a little hurt by even God, like abandoned by God. Where are you? And why don't you show up? Why don't you do something, God? And people crying out of that pain. Sarah, you see that a lot? Absolutely, yes. And I think that wondering, you know, where he is um, in the midst of that and how could he let this happen? And I actually think there's a lot of hope in that, though, that when we, um, you know, have been hurt by whether that be, you know, a parent, you know, a caregiver, a spouse, that that can really be an opportunity to care for our souls in the midst of that. And we can all think of times when we've been hurt where um, essentially our woundedness bumps into someone else's woundedness and it causes more pain. And it can really be this opportunity and invitation from God essentially to bring that brokenness to Him, to really bring that before Him um, and see what would He say to us about that. How can we become more aware of even the lies that we've believed and having him speak truth into our lives about who he is, about who we are, about our value and worth, and really encountering him in the midst of that pain, in the midst of that woundedness. I know you spend a lot of your life helping people break free. I want to kind of go on a journey here. Let's just assume that a lot of people listening, maybe they're wrestling or they certainly know someone who's going through a lot of hurt, relationship wounds in their life. You talk about step number one on breaking free is to kind of really become aware of what's going on inside, what's going on in our souls. Uh, is that what you were tipping your hand on? Yeah, absolutely. So I do think that that's one of the, the first things um, that's really crucial when we're caring for our souls. And what I mean by that is just slowing down and being able to pay attention to what's really going on in our souls. And I think if we're not aware of how our souls are doing, it's really impossible for us to adequately care for ourselves. And we've all found ourselves in these places where we're engaging in behaviors that we wouldn't normally engage in, or we simply find ourselves exhausted, not living out of the fullness of life that God intends for us, mm-hmm. or even you know becoming disillusioned or burnt out. I think there's a great example. We all have our own personal examples, but um, even in Scripture, I think we see that this occurred in David's life. We see that David, um, he's a man after God's own heart. You know, he wrote numerous psalms that just demonstrated his passion and his desire to follow after God. We see evidence of his sensitivity to God throughout his life. And yet David plotted to take another man's wife. He went to great lengths to sleep with Bathsheba. He went on to kill her husband, Uriah the Hittite. And we see that despite David's sensitivity to God and his sincere desire to delight in God's word, 
he clearly missed something that was going on in his soul when he carried out, you know, these actions of murder and adultery, that there was something that he missed there, whether that be in his emotions, desires, thoughts that, that led to those actions. And I think we've all been there at different points where um, we have the best of intent, but we're not even aware of what's going on for us that leads us to engage in behaviors that, you know, are problematic. So often we live in denial. We uh, don't want to look into the dark side of ourselves. And the truth is it could be relationship wounds. It could be a pretty dark heart with some sin in there. It's just a tough journey to kind of peel things back and look inside. It can be scary at times. Truth is. But our past isn't our past, Sarah, if it's still affecting our present, right? Yeah, absolutely. So in this journey, uh, we've got to do some internal work, meaning we've got to look inside. Now, the second thing you talk about is finding our worth and value in God alone. I think so often when there's brokenness in our relationships, we often reach for anything else. There's a great verse in Ecclesiastes. I think it's chapter 6, verse 7. It says, all the labors of a man's hands are for his mouth. In other words, we reach for anything, but his soul goes unsatisfied. Sir, when we're broken, we often do reach everywhere else trying to medicate or fill the brokenness, the emptiness, the hole in our soul. But what you're saying is he has set eternity in our hearts. Really, the reaching for all those things is simply a frantic search to find God. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you bring up a couple of good points there as far as the idea of finding our value and worth in God alone, it's both simple and also extremely difficult. So there's this piece of, yes, that is absolutely true. The factual part is that our worth and our value is not dependent upon what title or a position, our looks, popularity, background, uh, country of citizenship. And yet we're so often driven by any number of things and kind of the illusion that by achieving more, whether that be more success or more financial security or more popularity, that somehow we can increase our value and our worth. And this really just sets us up for exhaustion. My mind goes to thinking about a hamster on a hamster wheel where that little creature is just running with all of his might, but he is not getting anywhere and he just exhausts himself on that wheel. So often our souls engage in that activity where we just try to run harder and harder and harder trying to increase our sense of you know, worth and value. But really, what God invites us to is to step off that hamster wheel, so to speak, to simply be in his presence, to bask in the fact that he loves us and he delights in us more than we can ever fathom and that there's nothing we can possibly do to make him love us anymore. And when we're rooted in that truth, there's a whole new energy and a whole new power that accompanies our lives because it comes from a soul that is alive rather than a soul that is haggard and gaunt because it's, it's been a slave to this hamster wheel. So the, the piece of this is, yes, that is all absolutely true. And I think many of us can say, yeah, I, I know that in my head. Yes, I know that Jesus loves me. Yes, I know I'm valuable to him. And yet we don't feel that way. We don't feel that sense. And I think that is a really key piece that a lot of times I don't think we talk about very much. And there's this idea, it's a term that had been coined in the 20th century, this felt sense. 
the term was developed by um, a man named Eugene Gunland, um, and it's been further expounded upon by Peter Levine through somatic experiencing. But essentially, when I use that term, what I'm talking about is this connection between the mind and the body. So it's taking this external kind of factual truth that we know in our mind, but it's expanding that into our personal experience, our internal emotional experience. Mm. And I think that's something that, you know, a lot of us can struggle with. I know that our residents here at Timberline Knowles, that's a very common conversation that we have. That's actually one of the fun parts of my job is I get to lead a group here at TK called our Awakenings Group. And the whole purpose behind that It's an experiential group that um, fosters this felt sense of God's truth. And I'll just give you an example that can kind of elaborate on this. And there's a lot of different ways to do this slowly. It's It's a process, but increasing our sense of our felt sense of God's love and his value and his delight in us. But just this past week in one of our groups, we um, had engaged in this experiential exercise where I would have the residents, and each one of us took turns doing this, of envisioning what would God, loving and compassionate God, say to each one of us. And we would would stand up and, and stand right behind our chair and address ourselves as if we're still sitting in that chair and speaking words that we envision God, you know, would say to us. Now, that doesn't mean that we're necessarily believing that because, again, we may know this in our head, but we may not feel it. But speaking words of love and delight and tenderness and forgiveness to ourselves. And it's been really remarkable, you know, seeing as we engage in that activity, how young ladies are just, you know, have tears coming down their face of saying, wow. I'm actually starting to have this sense that maybe possibly, you know, God might might actually believe that about me. Um, and it's entering into that felt sense of God's truth. How long does it take, Sarah, for the wounded heart to receive that? You know, I think that's different for each one of us. I think there's also kind of this component of, of doing this in community as well. Many of us have had um, wounds from our past, and when we're able to experience um, a relationship with someone, whether that be a spouse or a counselor or a close trusted friend that is really consistent in speaking that value and that worth and that love to us and is compassionate to us, that also helps in that process. And there's actually some fantastic research that uh, we're finding about brain neurology and how our brains actually create new neural pathways when we experience new ways of connecting with others. It's fascinating. It's amazing how our brains work and how God uses that. There's so much hope in relearning ways of engaging with others that then translate to our relationship with God. Right. And so it does. It really depends, you know, on each person and kind of, um, you know, our history and, and our experiences. But I think it's a lifelong process for each one of us. And there's so much hope in that. I mean, none of us, I don't think, fully can experience the extent of God's love to us. Our, our human brains just can't fathom that. 
but I think it is that lifelong process that, you know, is exciting that we'll be able to, to realize that to the full extent when we actually get to see him face to face. You're listening to Life, Love, and Family. I'm Dr. Tim Clinton, president of the American Association of Christian Counselors, your host. Our special guest today, Sarah Newhard. She's the spirituality and Christian program coordinator at Timberline Knowles. It's a residential treatment facility for women near Chicago. I'm talking today about the most important part of you, and that's called soul care. How do we take care of that? And fascinating discussion. Sarah, I'm with you. I think this journey also between head and heart is a big-time journey. It's one thing to know. It's another thing to know, to really know the depth of God's love, His faithfulness, His presence, His power in our everyday lives. We can claim Him for eternity, that we can live in heaven forever and ever and ever, but there's something about believing Him for right now. It's like, don't know if I can do that. I don't know if he's big enough for that, or I don't know if he loves me enough. That's a real rub, I think, for a lot of us, believing that God is in our now. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of hope that um, we can continue to grow in that and really having that felt sense that he is with us and for us um, and loves us. The issue of hope. Without hope, we are lost. It's hard to believe that things are going to change. Connect God's love. Connect the journey of getting beyond relationship wounds and having real hope for us. Yeah. That hope is just such a powerful catalyst for our own growth. You know, in our work with um, residents, that's something that I see time and time again, that when we feel like there's no hope, when we feel like things just possibly can't change, that kind of takes the life out of, um, you know, anything that we're doing. But when there's hope, and I'm here to say that absolutely there is hope, hope in caring for our souls, hope in being able to um, experience God, um, being able to rework ways of interacting with others that that really gives us power moving forward. I'm reminded of that verse in Hebrews 11:6 that says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And those who come to him, I love this, must first believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Sometimes when it's dark, it's hard to believe that he's in the dark with you that he's a pursuer God, that he loves us with an everlasting love. If you look in the book of Psalms, it's just amazing how many times the psalmist in the midst of darkness says, but it's his steadfast love, God's steadfast love, his steadfast love. And what I love about the ministry that you all do and that we're seeing in modern day Christian counseling is we're really trying to address needs. It's not afraid to talk about tough issues like being abused as a child, not afraid to talk about Growing up, not being loved or confused about that, maybe feeling beat up by life, just everything coming at us, dealing with those issues, maybe wrestling with depression or some other issue, but anchoring it somewhere. you got to anchor it. How do you give hope if you don't have anything to hope in? And see, with that hope, then we begin to sculpt life maybe a little bit at a time. You know, someone said to me recently, Tim, aren't you overwhelmed by the darkness? And I read something just about at the exact same time. It was very close to it. Aren't you overwhelmed by the darkness? No. It's really because of the light. I'm overwhelmed by the light. When you're able to give light to someone, 
It's game changer. Yeah, I mean, it does. It goes back to that hope that um, when we are able to um, to have that hope or even to be able to hold that hope for someone else. I mean, there's countless times where I'll sit with a young lady and, you know, tears streaming down her face and saying, I just, I don't feel like there's hope anywhere in this. I don't see God anywhere in this. And to be able to say, and with all honesty and all confidence, I can appreciate that that is absolutely how it feels for you. And I do still have hope and I can hold that hope for you. And you can borrow some of that hope. Even though you don't have it for yourself, you can borrow some of the hope that I have. Mm. The greatest challenge or one of the greatest challenges of of modern day life, Sarah, is just being alone. Talk to us about the importance then of community, relationships, others. Absolutely. In our space, how important that is. Because it's like depression is a theory of disengagement. We actually try to shut things out to get control, but at the same time, all that's doing is it's taking away things that give us life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think community is a crucial piece of not only health um, in every aspect, um, but also in caring for our souls. Henry Nowen wrote a book that he noted that our lives are like a stool with three legs, and those three legs are essential for having it stand up straight, and that those three legs would be um, scripture reading, prayer, and community. And I think so often we can miss out on that community part, and it causes that stool to just fall over. And I think community is just so crucial for several reasons. One, um, when we interact with others, and that is a healthy interaction, and they are communicating compassion and love and grace and forgiveness to us, that actually helps us to understand and grow in our capacity to understand that we're worthy of that. And that helps us to understand God's character. And God's character is far beyond what any human can possibly engage with us. It allows us to have that um, understanding of what that is like. And that, that is so, so important. I think the other piece of community that can be so important is being able to speak truth into our lives. There are so many times for all of us that we get stuck and we have a hard time reminding ourselves of that truth, whether that be that hope that we were talking about earlier or any number of other truths and having people be able to, to speak truth into our life. And that may sometimes be the hard things that we're not seeing about our lives that we need someone to speak into um, in a kind, gentle way. Uh, what about this area of your life? Um, but also speaking that love um, and compassion. And I think that community is just so crucial in how we understand ourselves and how we understand God and in how we're able to take care of our souls. Sarah, you talk about two more issues, living with limits, how important it is to have boundaries in our life, right? You've got to have some boundaries because we usually get overrun by things and overwhelmed then, and it only compounds everything that's going on. And then it's tough, by the way, to just be, to allow yourself to sit before God uh, and know that he's God and to receive from him and to bring into your life truth by spending time with him in his word and soaking up community and more. Sarah, tell us the heart of what you mean by those two issues. Immediately what comes to mind is um, Psalms 4610, and it says, Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. And simply being and recognizing that we are 
finite creatures. God is infinite, but we have our limits and we are finite. And being able to recognize that reminds us of grace, that we are saved, that we have value, that we are loved because of who He is. Not because of what we've done, not because we're able to be all things to all people because we can't, not by our own strivings or our own achievement, but simply that we can rest in Him and that He does not demand being unlimited because the good news is, is that we're not and He is. Sarah, I'm going to give you the, the final word here, and I want you just to speak to all of us who are just looking for a change. What's at the heart of it all? I think the heart of that is that God loves each one of us. He cares for each one of us so deeply, so much more than we can ever fathom, and that He desires and wants to be intimately involved in um, how we care for ourselves, how we care for our souls. And I'll leave us with um, a last quote that I love um, by Dallas Willard. Um, He wrote extensively on Christian spiritual formation, and he says, The quality of our souls will indelibly touch others for good or for ill. And we can have souls that touch others in profoundly positive ways. I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from the mountains? No, my strength comes from God, who made heaven and earth and the mountains. Special guest again today has been Sarah Newhart. She's from Timberline Knowles, a residential treatment facility in Chicago, Illinois. It's certainly one who's on a journey, as we all are, a journey of looking inside and saying, God, do some work inside of me, some interior work. Help me to know you more closely, more fully. Help us to stay close to your heart, God. Help us to follow after you. 
telling you there's no other freedom in this life. Often what we do, though, is when we feel disconnected from God, we begin to reach for things that will never satisfy the deepest longings of our soul. Only one can do that. It's kind of a homecoming. Maybe God's calling you right where you're at right now. Maybe you're driving down a highway somewhere. You're seated at home listening. Maybe God's speaking to you. Most important thing is, what are you going to do about it? Would you turn your heart back toward him? Would you press in closer to him? That's my challenge for you today. Press in closer to the lover and the maker of your soul. That's why we come to you every day on this station at this time, because we care about you and your relationship with God and those dearest to you, your marriage, your family, and more. We want to strengthen you. We want to give you hope and encouragement. And ultimately, we want you to be a voice for the things that matter. If we can be of help to you, you can find us at lifeloveandfamily.net, lifeloveandfamily.net. Call us toll-free, 855-455-3264. Learn all about what God's doing in and through our ministry here at Life, Love, and Family. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Tim Clinton for Life, Love, and Family. Life, Love, and Family. Women in Depression, get confidential help. 1-877-257-9612. Women addicted to alcohol or drugs, get confidential help. 1-877-257-9612. Women with anxiety or eating disorders, trauma, and PTSD, get confidential help. Timberline Knowles Residential Treatment Center. 1-877-257-9612 or timberlineknowles.com.